fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try to What is going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street. RotoStreetJournal.com, we breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Thrilled to be back. It's been three weeks off, potentially, in the summer. That's unheard of, as many of you long-term fans know. But I got married, got on a great honeymoon. It was the trip of our dreams. I know none of you are here to hear that, so I'm going to dive in shortly. Maybe me and Truth can catch up a little bit at the end of tomorrow's show. 7 p.m. Tuesday, Thursday, going to be hitting positional previews, so come check those out. But, man, it feels good to be back as well. Diving into this stuff, we're going to be hitting tonight the preseason, all of training camp so far, plus preseason week one, risers and fallers. My man, the truth, was going to join, but then we looked at the agenda, and there's about 50 names on this list because we're covering a huge span of time, and he wisely said this will probably be a long time for a back and forth. Why don't you just get in there, rip it up, I'll listen, learn from you, and then we can talk more on Tuesday and Thursday when we're diving into about 10 players a show instead of 50 names. So I am going to just rip this up as fast as I can. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, the thumbs up button would be so appreciated as we go. Of course, if you're live here, any questions and comments, I will answer after the show. And if you're not live, comment on into the video. We'll be sure to hit what we can. You can also find me at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter. I'm happy to hit you up there. But thanks again for anybody here. So good to be back. Let's start diving in right at the top with quarterbacks, risers and fallers from training camp preseason. Let's dive in. First up, the number one quarterback riser of the week for me was Justin Fields. Goes three for three, 129 yards, two touchdowns. A great debut. Now, Wolf, you're probably like, he only threw three yards of average depth of target. His receivers did everything. And that's the whole point here. He never had a weapon like DJ Moore before. And this is opening up so much of the offense. I loved in addition to see those linemen, how athletic they look getting downfield. What a strong screen game we had there for Justin Fields. That's just a whole different thing where he had to do everything himself last season to have just a little bit of the load lightened because he has these great yak options dj moore of course but then also khalil herbert doing a ton of work over 50 yards after the catch 56 yard touchdown reception that's just stuff and hurt fields himself saying when you have guys that can take three yard pass 50 yards that makes my job easier always good to have playmakers like that on the team we talked about how this could really be like the jalen hurts aj brown light version the diet version of that this year and it already is looking like a great connection between those two and the whole offense opening up because they now have a true alpha. Great to see for Dustin Fields, who, yes, he was already ahead of Lamar Jackson for me. I can't bump him ahead of Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, or Pat Mahomes, but quarterback four is where he has been for me. It's clearly where he's going to stay after a performance like this, and it definitely makes me feel that much better about him threatening to be the QB1 in 2023. Now, after him, maybe the biggest single riser for quarterbacks for me was Derek Carr. And I'm not sitting here saying I love Derek Carr, but I think I did discredit his upside a little bit. Just because of the past couple of years, Saints, very run-heavy, very slow, just a disgusting overall offense. Preseason week one, though, this new car era, they just go marching down the field. 12 plays, 80-yard drive, car himself, 6 for 8, 70 yards, 
and a touchdown, just carving up the defense, taking shots downfield to Michael Thomas, who looked good. Jawan Johnson, two for 29, a nice playmaking tight end. Great rapport there. And you remind yourself, Pete Carmichael, he was with Sean Payton for all of those years, learned under him. I don't know that we should just discredit this guy right off the bat after a couple bad seasons with bad, horrendous quarterback play. Bad would be kind. So now that they have their guy, Derek Carr, who's looked very jacked in those pictures that you probably seen, he looks like he's in shape. He's fired up. He's ready to go. And they're talking about how this offense is finally back to where we can just pile it on to people again and no one's going to be stopping us type of thing. So I don't know if it's Drew Brees 2.0 or anything of that nature, but I did discredit Carr as just kind of like a decently floor, no ceiling type of guy. I think this showed there can be some real upside when you have Alvin Kamara looking much better. We'll talk about him later. When you have Michael Thomas back and healthy, of course, we know Chris Olave, one of the best young receivers in the game. With those weapons, with a play caller who's been elite in the past, I know it was Sean Payton, but he learned under the right mind, Pete Carmichael, so hopefully he absorbed a thing or two. I actually bumped him up, Jared Carr, to quarterback 20, now ahead of riskier guys like Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, those rookies we don't know much about. Give me the sure thing and Derek Carr if I need him. Now, another quarterback who I'm drafting even ahead of Derek Carr right now, my quarterback 19, he's going as the quarterback 23 in early drafts. That is Brock Purdy. Didn't play, and that's part of the big reason why he's a riser. He is by far, all reports, the number one exclusive quarterback taking every single rep with the ones. This is no competition. It's between Sam Darnold and Trey Lance for who is going to carry Brock Purdy's water bottle to him in the huddle. Reports are they've been turning up the aggressiveness as well in year two, feeling comfortable with Brock Purdy, with what he's doing right now. And you love to hear that. Already you got the high floor of a Kyle Shanahan offense. Jimmy Garoppolo leading the yards in attempt for multiple seasons, even though his dot was so low. That's because this offense is so great at generating the yak, yards after the catch, looking phenomenal opportunity here for Brock Purdy, who threw multiple touchdowns in every single start last year in the regular season, only dipped below 18 fantasy points once. Nice floor, and if they take that aggressiveness up a notch, I mean, you got Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. Those weapons are absurd. The play calling is known as the best in the NFL. Purdy just has to be okay, and he's going to smash the quarterback 23 ADP. I have, like I said, four spots above that in that quality QB2, low-end QB1. I could honestly be okay with Brock Purdy if he's paired with another guy in that tier. Uh, in that is my number one guy. But he goes, what, five rounds later than Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers? I like Brock Purdy just as much as those guys, and I certainly like him more with that discount. Jordan Love coming out, I mentioned him as a, a riskier guy, but – Looking great. Seven for 10, 46 yards, one TD and two drives. Most of those missions were deep shots, which I like that they're opening up the offense a little bit more. Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, both seem to be rolling. These young sophomore receivers, great rapport with those two. All reports are. It's been the same exact offense throughout camp. Uh, They're moving on from Rodgers as if nothing has changed. That's what we like to hear. You got to remember, it was still a run-heavy scheme, even with the league MVP at quarterback. So unless LaFleur just decides... Let's go nuts, air this thing out, effort mode despite Rodgers. I still think the ceiling's a little bit capped here, but it looks like the talent is definitely there with Jordan Love in these early glimpses of camp, this early preseason week one action. It was solid. Russ Wilson, kind of a riser. This is a mixed bag here. I don't know exactly where to rank this one. Awful to start. The statue in the pocket, the line looked atrocious. He was under pressure all night. 
They even played it deep into the a deep but into the second quarter, which is nuts in a preseason game. But Sean Payton, I respect it. They want to get this offense rolling, get Russ's real feel for what's going on. And it was a good decision because after a real couple shaky drives, he puts together a very nice fourth and final drive, Russ Wilson. And it showed off plenty of those staples that we're used to from Sean Payton, getting receivers like Jerry Judy wide open in tons of space. And he zips himself into the end zone. You love to see that. So it was a six play 57 yard drive with that 21 yard touchdown pass to Jerry Judy. So Russ finishes seven for 13, 93 yards, one touchdown, 102 quarterback. I reckon it was just a solid drive to get your feet a little bit ready to, to maybe jump back into that Russ Wilson pool. I don't know that I will. I don't like the guy. I love Sean Payton. I'm trying to see if I can balance those two things out. I don't typically land him because I prefer Brock Purdy straight up and Purdy goes three rounds later, but it was promising to see for Russ Wilson, at least those weapons there with him. Now, Sam Howell looked like a shaky start for him as well. Those first two possessions under duress a lot, yet he played really cool, calm, collected, and really had a nice strong third drive to cap off his first preseason action as he stakes his claim to become the football team's quarterback one nine to 12 77 yards and a touchdown like I said a little frenetic a little bit under pressure but he showed that mobility the ability to uh, really just extend those plays and ultimately had a bad drop by John Bates he could have gone 10 to 12 that was a 15 yarder almost 100 yards had that one got caught he also had a nice eight-yard run on a third and six, picking up the first with his legs. That's what we really like about the guy is there's some Konami light upside. He's had a touchdown rushing in all the preseason games he started and in his only lone game of action last year, ran one in. So there's definitely some TD upside, some running mobility upside here. In my projections, he came out as a friend, Sam Howell, top 15 guy, largely due to that enemy bump to that rushing upside. This game confirmed why he came out so high. You also get a pick coming for Jacoby Brissett, so maybe he's distancing himself a little bit here. Sam Howell, an impressive first showing for the guy, an upside quarterback, too, that you can take in the last round or maybe just flag for the waiver wire later on. And then I'll toss out there Kenny Pickett looking much improved as a sophomore so far. He had one drive, but six of seven, 70 yards and a touchdown. The ball was coming out fast. He looked like a much better decision maker and it was just pinpoint accurate every single time the only miss was a throwaway a quality decision by Kenny Pickett as he got a bunch of people in his face really impressive performance for him for Deontay Johnson for George Pickens when we get to receiver we'll cover those guys but it does look like Kenny Pickett is ready to take a big leap worried about how run heavy they continue to say they're going to be but if Pickett's playing this impressively we know Tomlin in the past has loved to air it out so I loved this performance for him Baker Mayfield Seems to be cementing himself as the starter here for the Bucs, and that could be a good thing. Eight of nine, 63 in a touchdown, despite no Mike Evans, despite no Chris Godwin, no Rashad White. He still engineered a quality showing here. Now, Kyle Trash will start the next game, so we can't lock in Mayfield, but this is just a promising development for everybody involved in this Tampa Bay offense. If Mayfield can be just serviceable, they do love to chuck it under Todd Bowles. It's been a, I mean, they had Tom Brady, so I get that too, but Ultimately, this will just be nice to know Mike Evans and Chris Godwin won't be completely destroyed, even if you're not drafting Mayfield himself. And the only injury or down note so far in camp was Joe Burrow. He's going to be fine at this point. He's actually got the sleeve off his calf and everything's looking okay. But I just figure I mentioned because a lot of you people might just be coming back for the first time this offseason. What's going on in camp? I had to mention Joe Burrow did get hurt. To me, it's not going to change anything. He's definitely going to be out there for week one. He's throwing. He's running. Draft as you normally would, but I just wanted to make sure that does not go overlooked at this point. 
then thank you looks like I, I was worried nobody was here but we got Charlie Menelakis, welcome back. Wolf we'll rest in peace, Brees Hall. Take him seventh or eighth round out. Did Dalvin Cook just land there, Angel? I have not seen any news yet. So let me know in the comments. It seems like I might be missing something here uh, with Brees Hall potentially having a backfield made, or is he going to be starting slow? Let me know what that discussion point was there, uh, Angel, because I did not see that myself quite yet as we went live. All righty. We will now be turning on over to the running back position, as always, if you are enjoying this. Thumbs up, subs. We do want to continue to grow. We already have been seeing some nice traction this summer. Would love to get towards 5,000, maybe even more. So please consider helping us out if you enjoy what you're hearing and you like the content. That would be so greatly appreciated. But we're going to start at running back. And I'm going to talk about now one of the biggest preseason hype darlings that I am absolutely buying into. You got to be careful with these hype trains and which ones count, which ones don't. James Cook is one I am absolutely willing to go all in on. Let's talk about why. The first is all of camp. Every single beat writer, three down back. He's the starter far and away. The real battle is just for who's going to be number two behind him. You love to see that. And you love the fact that the starters come out for six snaps and James Cook is in for all six. And he carries the ball four times of those plays, goes for 20 yards. And to me, the most important part, three down back means you're also getting the touchdowns. I've been very worried. We know Josh Allen is there. He's going to vulture some. But what it would have really hurt James Cook is if not only Josh Allen's vulturing, but Damian Harris, a touchdown scorer in his own right, or even Latavius Murray rising from the crave to steal touchdowns potentially. That terrified me. But this first game, at least, now it's only one game. It's only one drive. You can't overreact. But on eight yards out from the goal line, they give it to Cook, and he uses his speed to hit the edge cut right up and waltz right in the end zone. You'll love to see it and show that he can be a great back, even from within that 10-yard line, uses speed to get through those tight crevices that that smaller stature might not necessarily be a downfall for him. So if he's getting goal line work in addition to the early down work, plus the receiving work we know he's very capable of, I'm all in. And looks like that's going to be the case. And this is when the preseason hype if it's a player, you love the talent, like James Cook for me. I think he's an unbelievable player. Obviously, a lineage coming from Dalvin Cook. Really liked what I saw last year. A lot of efficiency metrics tell you James Cook was great. Just those early fumbles really put him on the bench. But there's going to be a great opportunity. Singletary ran 312 routes last year. That was the seventh among route, uh, running backs there, targeted on only 12% of his routes. Now, meanwhile, James Cook ran less than half of those routes, but he was targeted 30% of the time getting open. That was actually second among running backs for routes run target share behind only Austin Eckler. The guy is a great receiver. And some of these quotes, I mean, James Cook went coast to coast as their unquestioned top running back displaying excellent pass catching skills, a good knack for finding lanes between the tackles, separating from Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. James Cook heavily involved in the pass game day six, 12 of 19 attempts for Josh Allen. Of those 12 completions, James Cook had five of them. So all these reports heavily involved as a receiver, the only guy that's really playing with the ones right now in one of the best offenses in the league and maybe even getting some touchdown equity in this share. And Wolf, it's the Bills' backfield. They never have quality running backs. Well, they really have been a timeshare for the most part. But remember, just two seasons ago, Devin Singletary had that little brief run from the fantasy playoffs through the real NFL playoffs where he had a stranglehold on the every down roll for the Buffalo Bills. Here were his points. 16.6 running back seven, 18.8 running back 10, 23 running back five, 25.2 running back three, 24.4 running back two and 15.1 running back four. The guy was an absolute beast for that stretch run. And when the team does commit, there can be some quality running back production for fantasy coming out of there. So I bumped him up, James Cook, 
all the way to running back 22 in that quality running back two tier just behind Javante Williams, just ahead of James Conner and J.K. Dobbins. I am all in on James Cook, lighting it up this year. He's become the player that I did not have much of at all in early best ball drafts, and I am hammering to try to catch up to speed and get a ton of James Cook into my portfolio, as they say. Moving forward, just mentioned Javante Williams. He's another huge riser of the preseason, despite not playing quite yet. He's expected to actually play in week two, which is insane. In fact, in their words, miraculous is the way they're describing this recovery, that he looks like he was never off the field looking completely healthy. He has not missed a single practice unless the coach has deemed a rest day for him. And even on those days, he said he's been studying film of Alvin Kamara instead of just wasting his time because he hopes to be used just like him as that pass catcher you can move around. Oh, that should get you excited. Remember his first game last year, he had 11 Targets from Russell Wilson led the team. The guy, Ken Javante Williams, certainly make plays as a receiver and one of the best tackle breakers in the NFL. The Saints routinely were top five in running back target share. Even when they didn't have a Kamara, a Reggie Bush, a Darren Sproles, they never dipped below 24% target share or 150 targets to the position under Sean Payton. And when they had a stud, like Sproles, Kamara, or Russ, or Reggie Bush, they would go to the running back 28 to 33% of the time where the number one in the NFL for three out of the seven seasons that closed out Sean Payton. So it was, it was very, very impressive. And that's why Payton's backfields have routinely led the NFL in team expected fantasy points, given how well he uses the position and especially how well he uses them as pass catchers. So a great opportunity for an amazing talent that's going, even with all these positive reports, round seven. Remember, this guy was going round two last year, and now he's in an even better offense and a better situation. As long as he's healthy, there's no way he doesn't smash that ADP. So Javante Williams, big, big riser so far. Another guy that was a little off my radar and now is fully on it, Khalil Herbert. Not that I didn't know the guy. I mean, we saw him play eyeball test, passes everything. The fact that the Bears are the most run-heavy team in the NFL, that also doesn't hurt. But when I was looking at this situation, I saw Donta Foreman, a player I also really like, Big Bruiser probably going to get touchdowns. And then you draft Rashawn Johnson, handpicked by this regime. And you got Justin Fields, who might break the quarterback rushing record. To me, that looked like a four-headed nightmare, never mind a three-headed nightmare situation. But Khalil Herbert, all reports are he's been the first backup throughout all of camp, has really been separating himself with his speed. In fact, he himself said, it was a 63-yard rush last year that I got caught at the six-yard line, and I've been working on that long speed all offseason, make sure I'm breaking runs like Justin Fields, and we just saw it. a 56-yard touchdown catch where nobody was going to go get him. In fact, he mentioned there's a, a fine the team put on it if he gets tackled within the five-yard line. A little extra motivation there for him. But according to the Upper Hand Fantasy I, I, Instagram account, love those guys, Khalil Herbert was second among running backs last year in yards after contact per attempt. Only Tony Pollard was better. Third in missed tackles, force per attempt. Chubb and Stevenson, the only two guys ahead of him. And 10% of his attempts went, or 17% rather, of his attempts went for 10 plus yards. That was number one in the NFL. I know his sample size, his pie was smaller. So when you break it uh, at the rate he was, it's a little bit easier to be up on the top. But Chubb and Pollard were the next two behind him. Look at the company he's keeping and some of these efficiency metrics. A lot of these things tell you the guy's a baller and Right now, it looks like he does have that clear path to being the every uh, every down starter. We'll see. It's going to probably get a little bit of a mix, but he's the only one who played alongside Justin Fields across those two drives. So we will certainly keep our eyes peeled. He has risen a ton up to my running back 30 right now. Certainly a flex I could like, and I could see him continuing to rise to running back too. 
if these positive preseason reports and uh, performances continue out. Now, Damian Pierce gets the starters treatment. So I always like to mention that in week one. A lot of times the risers are the people that you recognize how much the team values them. Damian Pierce was one of those. Rashad White was one of those. All the reports, though, from inside camp was what I said why I liked Damian Pierce to have a monster sophomore campaign. One, he's thriving in the wide zone scheme. Bobby Slowick has talked about how that is the entire staple of this offense, marrying the run and pass, and it starts up front with this wide zone scheme. And Damian Pierce has reportedly been a pristine fit for that. you love to see it. But then you also see coming to fruition, his improvement as a pass catcher. I'm sure some of you have seen those insane catches in the end zone that this guy is making. He's improved also, probably most importantly, as a pass protector, leaving him very much a possibility to be a true three down back. They played Singletary telling you it's clear this running back one, running back two situation. So I still have Damian Pierce well up there, running back 16, about three spots higher than the ECR. Among my favorite guys to target in that late fifth, early sixth round range. One of the biggest risers since we last went live is Alvin Kamara, for sure, for many reasons. First, the suspension only ended up being three days. There was speculation it might be six games half the year. This is a much better outcome for his fantasy out- output that he's only getting missed three games on the season. Now, the bigger thing, though, that a lot of people, myself included, were worried about is, yeah, sure, he misses uh, some games. He also just didn't look like Alvin Kamara at all last year. Didn't have that burst. Had a great role. Scott Barrett himself tweeting out one of my favorite accounts out there. It's mind-blowing that Alvin Kamara was that terrible for fantasy after he ranked 12th in carries, 3rd in target share, 2nd in route share. That's impossible to not be a top 7 fantasy points per game. But then he also follows that out and realizes that Alvin Kamara is either the most efficient running back in fantasy or he's been hurt. And last year, he had that rib injury early on, seemed to be gutting it out. Last year was the knee before that. So 2022-2021 just didn't look like himself, well below fantasy points over expectation. But when he's been healthy, plus 5.4 points over expectation, plus 5.3 over expectation, plus 2.7, he either blows it out of the water or he gets hurt. And right now he is as healthy as he's ever been. In fact, he says he overhauled his workout regimen because of how shitty he's felt these last two seasons. And now he says, I feel springy. I feel fast. I feel explosive. Every year I try to find a way to evolve and get better. And so far, so good. 14 yards on three carries, two catches, 21 yards, all on that first drive. The only running back to log touches, five of them in that 12 play 80 yard drive was the centerpiece to the offense and looked significantly faster Nick Underhill, and this is one of my favorite beat writers because he tells it how it is. He's not trying to pump up clicks or give hype just to pump it, pump up his numbers. If somebody looks like crap. He said last year, Alvin Kamara does not look like Kamara. He says Kamara looks all the way back and has even the data to prove it. They guess they're wearing, tracking the miles per hour in camp, and he was running speeds faster than he clocked all last year already this year. So great stuff to see. Alvin Kamara looks back in terms of the suspension being less than expected. He returned to his explosiveness. And you got to just mention the overall offensive vibes here with Derek Carr look significantly better. And he's definitely a quarterback that loves to dump it off too. I think Kamar is a steal of that round seven, eight price tag. He's got, he's up to my running back 27. Without those three games, he probably be my running back 15. So love Alvin Kamara and what we have coming out of him right now. Zamir White, the late round running back that I am targeting more than any other at this point. Now, reminds me a lot of the James Conner, Le'Veon Bell situation. Josh Jacobs, the reports I'm reading, is a man of pride. And a lot of the insiders are not expecting him back 
at the beginning of the year and potentially the entire time. Did not work out for Le'Veon Bell. I expect Jacobs to definitely return at some point, but maybe he lets the Raiders lose a few games. Maybe he get a quarter of the season with Zamir White starting. As of right now, he's been named the number one runner on the depth chart till Jacobs comes back. And by all accounts, he is thriving in camp. Josh McDaniels saying White's running skill and innate ability to see things when he has the ball, fine lanes, cutbacks, when he's supposed to bounce, when he's not he's supposed to go ahead and tuck it. I'd say overall, all of those things are definitely looking better. He's put in a lot of time and effort to be a more complete player, not a guy that just has the ball and can do something with it. He wants to be good in blitz pickup. He wants to improve in the passing game, and all those things are part of the young backs progression. You love to hear that. Great praise from his, his uh, coordinator there, Josh McDaniels. And then you see him. First preseason action gets absolutely fed like he was Josh Jacobs himself. 13 carries, 41 yards. Man, not, not amazing yards per clip, but you love to see that work. He pounds in a touchdown, one yard uh, burst right there. You love to see that. And then you just learn a little bit about this guy. One, he's called Zeus. Anybody nicknamed Zeus, I perk up a little bit. Then you learn, how did he earn this nickname, Zeus? <laughs> Apparently, he doesn't work out like a normal, just typical football workout. He works out on the farm that his family grows on, quote unquote, tossing bales of hay and chopping wood, running hills with feed bags, and just all over the farm, moving everything, animals, just like a, just a classic kind of Rocky reminds me of this guy doing this training regimen that's just so old school. Something about it I just love. And who knows how it pans out. The guy is a last couple round pick. I think it's awesome for keeper leagues because I don't think there's any way that Josh Jacobs is back. And it reminds me, like I said, of Connor, because what if Jacobs does just hold out? You get this freakish talent, 4-4-40, uh, 10-8 broad jump, one of the best in history for a running back. And yeah, he didn't have any huge college seasons while he shared that backfield with James Cook. But this is definitely a guy that has insane athletic ability, that has a clear-cut role in front of him if Jacobs holds out number one running back that you're getting in round 15, 16, and certainly in keeper leagues as well, could be a huge value should Jacobs not return next year. So definitely starring Zamir White on my draft cheat sheet. I'm going to rip through a couple rookies here because the preseason is a great time to see these first-year players and how they're looking, how they're fitting in with their offenses. Are they going to carve out roles for themselves? So let's talk about a few rookie running backs that really impressed me. Tank Bigsby. Yeah, ETN got all the carries with Trevor Lawrence to start. We did get one for Tank Bigsby. But then with the twos, the guy was absolutely dominant. First of all, he's got the clear-cut running back two role on lock, and I think he's going to absolutely be a handcuff with benefits. 34-yard run, bounces it outside, breaks a couple tackles, boom, finishes with nine carries, 54 yards, and is just cementing by all accounts in, in training camp the guy that's first up after ETN, the guy that could be the goal line back. Now, he did get two carries on the goal line, did not convert him in his first preseason game, but apparently that's been a real strength in training camp of him. And we know that Travis ETN, 23 carries inside the 10 last year, only four touchdowns. This is definitely a role that Bigsby could end up taking from him. And I mean, there's some of these quotes out there from the running back coach sitting there watching the film. And this is the one guy I kept saying, writing down notes. We need him. We need him. We need him. My goodness. Whoa, this running back right here. That's the one. We got the one. I put a double star. The team loves this kid. Doug Peterson praising his pass catching ability. And if anything happens to ETM, we know he missed his entire rookie year, played all the games last year. So I, I do expect a nice quality season. They're saying 1,600 yards, Doug Peterson, for Travis ETM on the ground. A little bit overblown in my opinion. It's typically been a committee under Doug Peterson. I think Tank Bigsby could get that invaluable goal line role. Plus, if anything did happen to ETN, you'd be looking at a, a top 10 weekly running back potentially inside an offense I think is going to 
explode. So I love that he had a very strong debut. Tajay Spears for the Titans also looking phenomenal. Hassan Haskins did start the game, goes two carries for five yards. Tajay Spears, six carries for 32. It was a standout at all OTAs, and especially as a pass catcher, all in camp, they're saying we're going to give him as much as he can handle. I doubt that. You have Derrick Henry. So as long as Henry's there, I don't think Spears is going to be overly usable. But he could carve himself out a nice little niche role in the passing game. But even without that, ultimate handcuff upside, it seems to me he is very clearly ahead of Haskins as a player. And it's only a matter of time until he is clearly ahead of him on the depth chart. So definitely file away Spears for that late round handcuff. There's a lot of upside there. Now, Devin Achain, an interesting game for the guy. A few pluses to note, a couple minuses to note. The first good thing, very nice impact as a receiver, which is where we expect him to definitely do his most work at chain. Four catches, 41 yards, breaking tackles, that little jitterbug that you like to see that we all expected. But 10 carries for 25 yards and a lot of just tackled at the first contact. He ran tough. He did get some, some up-the-gut tough yards, but he often went down pretty easy there. And probably the more of concern is he played behind Miles Gaskin and Solomon Ahmed. Now, I don't expect that to last. I think Achate is a significant play-making upgrade above either of those guys and probably above Jeff Wilson and Raheem Moshar if and when he gets cooking. The fact that they're playing him behind those two right now, you don't like to see it. So assuming – I don't know if Dalvin Cook went to the Jets, if that's what we were talking about earlier. As long as he's gone, it is a big rise for Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert as well as Devin Achain. But to me, it was a little bit of a concerning preseason effort, given that he was behind a couple nobodies. And they just didn't look amazing. Didn't really pop off the page, even though he was facing like fourth stringers at the time. You have to just note it. Zach Charbonnet, four carries, 14 yards, catches both targets for 14 yards as well. And all training camp, you keep hearing Pete Carroll, that Charbonnet kid, oh, I love him. He's in competition for the running back one here. And we're going to definitely make sure he's getting his work on Sundays and already this week. Looked good, didn't he? Looked physical. Guys on the sidelines going crazy for him. Yeah, great start with us. It, it, I, I'm down on Kenneth Walker because I really like Charbonnet, and it seems like Pete Carroll really, really likes him too. Looked okay. Looked fair. It, it wasn't an overly efficient night, but definitely significant. very physical performance, quality player there. Uh, I, I enjoyed what I saw. And then the last rookie running back I wanted to touch upon is Deuce Vaughn. <laughs> that tiny little jitterbug. My God, eight carries, 50 yards, spinning, juking all over the place, ankle breaking. It was fun, very fun to watch this kid. He also pounded one in from a few yards out. He just hides behind his blockers. It's very Darren sproles but a little thinner than Darren Sproles, and it just zips up there. So an interesting performance, and now we know Zeke is not going to be back there. We'll talk about Ramondre Stevenson shortly. Maybe Vaughn does become that running back too. We will find out. But based on preseason performance, we did have Tyson Chandler. Wide open depth chart behind Alexander Madison, and a lot of the training camp buzz was Chandler's not looking great and nobody's really stepping up right now. Put that one to rest. 11 carries, 41 yards, four catches, 29 yards. Coach saying he really jumped out. His ability to see it in live game action, his vision, his burst, his finish, it all showed up, said Kevin O'Connell. Really jumped out. Anytime he had the ball in his hands, he was very rarely tackled by the first defender. And then you have some added context to Warren Sharp, a great follow there. Adding more context to what Ty Chandler did last night, Faced loaded boxes on 91% of his runs, 55% of his runs. He was contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage, and he still averaged 3.0 yards after contact, as also catching all of his targets in impressive performance. Indeed, a great handcuff to target late Ty Chandler. 
very solid debut for him. Now, a very important role in fantasy is the running back two role for the Bengals. We saw last year, Samaj P. Ryan. He ran 214 routes in this role, 24 running back in that. 38.8% of the snaps, not bad in that type of offense. You don't need a ton of snaps, so nearly 40%, solid 51 targets. That was the 20th among running backs, 23 red zone touches, top 40 among running backs. He made three starts. That's the real value here, handcuff value for the running backs. 30 points, 19.3, and 21.5. If something happens to Mixon this year, whoever's that running back to is going to be stepping into a very valuable role. Right now, we got a battle. Travion Williams has been hurt. He was expected to be that guy. He's week to week, though. So is it going to be Chase Brown? Is it going to be Chris Evans? Evans draws the start, has a quality 33-yard run, goes 7 for 49 on the night, was definitely the more impressive runner. But we did see Chase Brown struggle on the ground, 8 for 12, not good at all. But as a receiver, three catches, 33 yards, solid in pass protection. That's the Samaj P. Ryan role. So I still prefer Brown myself, but Chris Evans definitely becomes someone you have to have on your radar. It becomes a situation you need to watch. You're, you're hoping one of them really, truly separates, and it's not an ultimate committee if it, one of, if makes it ever goes down. But something to track. I have him at running back 58-59 as those last-round stabs that are very intriguing. One of the most important things to figure out this offseason for fantasy football will be this Eagles backfield. Who knows if it will ever be clarity, but we're getting some interesting reports that you have to at least note specifically for Kenny Gainwell, who is rising huge up the big board. First thing, he doesn't play in the game at all. Him and Boston Scott rest. Now, I do imagine that's a little bit more. We already know what we have in these guys. Let's get the new guys going, get them their feet wet behind our offensive line within our scheme. I'm not looking too much into this. Like Gainwell's clearly the starter because he didn't play. I don't buy that, but I do buy the fact that he has looked significantly better than Rashad Penny in camp so far. I'll just read you a few lines here. Gainwell increasingly been the team's early down back when he's getting touches as a runner. He looks like he is in a feature back spot. I thought that would be Penny would go, but Gainwell has undoubtedly had the stronger camp and gotten the vast maturity of first team carries excelled there throughout the most recent practice. He's made use in short yardage, goal to goal in the red zone, scored three touchdowns, on Wednesday's practice in that situation, even though it's not the live tackling and we get, we get all that. It's just still, he's the first man up. I did think that would be Penny showing great burst, hitting the holes, the, uh, the Eagles offensive line paving. I mean, he's tripping chunk gang, sizable, nice juke moves. As of right now, this is the beat writers projection for the depth chart. Gainwell, Swift, Boston, Scott, Penny, all the way down at fourth. Whether that plays out, and we've definitely seen questionable Eagles beat writing before. So I'm not going to go overly nuts here. It's not like Gainwell's a top 15 running back suddenly for me, but he's back to running back 40. He's in my top 120 or so players at this point. And really, Rashad Penny's the one that has to come down a significant amount here. He didn't look great in his first debut. Nine carries, 34 yards. It was okay. We know he's got upside. Just a couple seasons ago, he's the number two running back or number one running back. I had a Singletary. We we're just talking about number one guy ahead of him was Rashad Penny down that stretch. He has that burst that very few guys have in the league when he can get down into the open field. But maybe he doesn't have it anymore after all these injuries. He didn't look great. I had been targeting Penny, so this hurts for me to say. I had a lot more Penny on my early best ball teams than I do Kenneth Gainwell, but I'm definitely going to be switching those up, especially given Gainwell goes. Four rounds later than him, DeAndre Swift, 
a lead pass catching back, a coordinated. It sounds like he's actually claimed that two minute drill that a lot of people have been worried about. So I still have him the highest fantasy wise running back 29, but then I did bump up Gainwell to my running back 40 and Penny came crashing down to my running back 43. We'll see how this all shakes out. Certainly something to keep monitoring, but at the minimum right now, Kenny Gainwell seems like the guy to target because he's the cheapest and he might be the number one guy in this backfield. You don't need any extra reason to draft Tony Pollard, but Zeke is officially out of here, which you'll love to hear because Tony Pollard averaged 28 fantasy points per game in all his starts without Zeke. All reports are he has looked like Tony Pollard without doubt fully back from that surgery. You love to see it. In the games without Zeke, 48 carries, three games. This is three games. 48 carries, 16 a game. 315 yards and six touchdowns in addition to another 10 catches and 92 yards receiving. And now he's only got Deuce Vaughn added his competition, this tiny little five foot six guy. Come on. I know he looked impressive. I just talked about him, but this is Tony Pollard's backfield. Brian Schottenheimer, bad for the overall offense, the new coordinator. I love Kellen Moore. Definitely can score more points. But Schottenheimer, if he does one thing, it is run the ball and run it pretty well. His last 10 years calling plays, Four of them were top three in rush attempts. Three of them were also top four in rushing yards, including the number one rushing offense twice. There's only one year he was above 17th in pass attempts. So this is going to be a run heavier scheme. It's going to be more work for Tony Pollard. Wheels up. He reminds me a lot. Only made this comp a couple times here. He reminds me a lot of Jamal Charles, where he was the smaller back, the speedster, quality receiver. He's not quite the receiver of Josh. I'm not going to go that way. But Finally gets the keys turned over to him, and people wonder, is he really, truly a featured back? I think Pollard absolutely is. We've seen him thrive when he's been given that role before, and I could see a similar arc to Jamal Charles here for the remainder of his career. We will find out. A running back, one of the only running backs, though, I have ahead of him. Pollard's my running back. Oh, no, I'm checking my rankings now. Maybe I got to flip these things. Pollard or Nick Chubb? I, I don't know which one I want more. I love them both, and both are similarly benefiting from the removal of people around them. No Kareem Hunt here for Nick Chubb. And we've talked about this a million times on the podcast. 18 points per game without Hunt, 15.8 with him in the lineup. He goes from almost no passing game involvement to three targets per game without Kareem Hunt. And the big thing is, though, we knew this is gone. And why we bring this up yet again, Wolf, we've heard you talk about this a million times. Well, Jerome Ford was the lead guy to take over the Kareem Hunt role. And he has a hammy injury where he's out week to week now. And ever since then, Nick Chubb has been the first man up for the third down role. Stefanski's praised him. Stump Mitchell, the running back coach, has said that he's insane as a receiver. It's just a matter of, not a matter of he can do it. We just haven't used him that way, but he certainly can be used that way. It's going to be the bell cow Chubb role. Remember last year, he was the running back one until Deshaun Watson came in. So I am huge on Nick Chubb in this new role. And they go from Dodie Ball to Nick Chubb. To Kyron Williams, what a great follow-up. But I think he is absolutely one of the best last-round sleepers you can have, Kyron Williams, the Rams running back two. All the reports are he's been excelling as both a runner and especially as a pass catcher to the point he doesn't even play in week one of the preseason. Yes, Akers is the quote-unquote featured back, but the clear-cut guy behind him has been Kyron Williams, and he's also been praised for his pass protection. They like Williams, quote-unquote, a bit more as a pass protector than they do Akers. So while Akers is the nominal starter, Williams could carve out a role and then be the guy they lean on in the ground game if something were to happen to Akers. 
He's coming off just two seasons removed from that Achilles tear. He had injuries as a rookie as well. He doesn't have the cleanest bill of health, Cam Akers. So we're talking about Kyron Williams. No one else there behind him. He was a true featured back there at Notre Dame. He could absolutely be a handcuff with benefits that no one's drafting. He's absolutely free right now. And after Zamir White, Corderell Patterson, I think Kyron Williams is my next close, uh, closest rece- uh, running back target. 78 receptions, 675 yards, and four touchdowns at Notre Dame can absolutely be a pass catcher. And even Matthew Stafford praising the guy, catching the ball out of the back, backfield, big plays with him. Even when he gets a handed, he rips it. it. It's all good. Everything is coming out praise-wise for uh, Kyron Williams here, an ultimate running back two target at the end of your draft. A running back two behind Cam Akers, handcuff with benefits, baby. All righty, moving into some followers. One of them did get updated today. That's J.K. Dobbins. There's a lot of frustration, and is he ever going to show up? And the coach seeming all pissed off and fed up. You could hear it in his voice how pissed off Harbaugh was. But he did return J.K. Dobbins today. Harbaugh saying he's 100% healthy. We're thrilled to have him back. Kind of a mini hold-in, quote-unquote. It's over at this point. So at least we know Dobbins is back. He's a ridiculous talent. You know, 800 yards rushing and nine touchdowns as a rookie. We haven't really gotten a a nice quality full season since then, a lot of injuries. But in this Todd Munkin scheme, all the reports are they're thrown to the running back more often. It's a much more explosive overall offense. I think Dobbins right back now that we know he's playing and he's here, right back in their 5.9 yard per carry career. Guys a stunt. Great receiver too out of the backfield. I'm excited to see him get used there. It is worth noting though, just in his absence, Justice Hill did start at running back ahead of Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards did play. Hill looked better though. 37-yard run, 3-for-48 on the night. He's always been a pretty solid pass catcher. So if you're looking for the handcuff, looking for the running back too, it probably is Gus. But just wanted to note that Justice Hill did come in first for the preseason action and did look really good. He's been getting a lot of praise as well. One of the biggest followers of camp so far, though, it's none other than Jonathan Taylor, last year's number one consensus overall pick. Not practicing, demanding a trade got an ankle injury. It looks like he's walking around like an old man. A back injury might be potentially added into there. And I think there's some holdout risk, given that he says he will not play for Jim Ursay. I don't know if he's going to dig his heels in. It definitely seems like one of those years it could be a big stand for a lot of running backs in the league. We will find out. I'm worried, though. Not drafting him in the first two rounds. If he falls to mid-round three or so, okay. The upside might be too much to pass up because you have the chance. What if he gets straight to the Chiefs? What if he goes to one of these insane offenses and then rips off 20 touchdowns? It could absolutely happen. But given that he's with the Colts, could hold out, and then you have Anthony Richardson already, a potential goal line vulture there. I don't love it for Jonathan Taylor. Certainly not a guy. I haven't been drafting him at all anyways, and this is not going to move the needle that I do go get him unless he's falling to the end of round three, maybe the mid-round three. We'll go there. A couple just other quick injuries we noted. Ken Walker has not been practicing because of his groin. He is expected to be activated this week, though. Not something to necessarily worry about, but Zach Charbonnet is something that you should have on your radar. We also have Damian Harris injuring his knee, also getting outplayed by Latavius Murray anyways. I had been targeting Harris because I thought he'd be the touchdown guy, but James Cook has clearly separated from everybody else here, and now it's to the point that Latavius Murray might be the number two running back, so do not draft on my list at this point. Damian Harris. I had a lot of Jerome Ford in early drafts. I love any running back too in that Kevin Stefanski scheme. We've seen even Dearness Johnson go nuts when he had the open role. I still like Ford, but definitely with that hammy injury, he's now succeeding that, that number two role, the pass catching back. 
He's giving that up to Chubb. So he's ultimately just a handcuff, not a handcuff with benefits and not somebody I'm going nuts to go get. Last injury to note, Kendra Miller suffered a knee injury week one of the preseason, not expected to miss any extensive time, expected to probably be back for week one. But this is the time he needs to be carving out that role and proving the team can trust him. It does suck. It's poor timing on his end. And then we did just mention Josh Jacobs. Who knows what's going to happen here? He's still holding out not planning to come this entire preseason. So Zamir White continues to ride on up the board. Going to take a quick breath and check what we got for comments. We definitely have some classics here. Love to see it. Hey, Prof, what's good? I love that you've helped me. Hey, I love to hear that. I'm glad the uh, videos are helping you out, man. I'm glad you could catch a live show here with us. Brees Hall uh, Z to Jets. So that must be, I'm guessing you mean uh, Dalvin Cook, no to. Uh, and Zeke to the Pat. So now we know Brees Hall, also a uh, faller as well. I did want to talk about, though, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, I think I, I missed that one. I put a uh, loss. I ran out of bowl, the banner space. So let's talk real quick about Ramondre Stevenson. I'm just going to type it in a banner here. Ramondre Stevenson. So Brees off to react to on the fly. But Ramondre Stevenson, I at least prepared a couple notes on. Zeke is done. I mean, he's horrible. I'm a Bats fan. This does not excite me at all that we got Zeke. Yeah, he can cap off some drives. So I do think he could carve himself out a goal line role, potentially score a lot of those, those one-yard plunges. I think he's going to do a good job of that. But that wasn't why you were drafting Ramondre Stevenson last year. This year, last year, he only had six touchdowns, still finished as the running back 10 in fantasy. So he was never going to be a, a TD guy. And it wasn't going to hurt him anyways. The big thing is, does he maintain that receiving role? 89 targets last year, third among running backs. 69 catches, fourth among running backs. It was a staple in the receiving game all of camp so far, getting rest days from Bill Belichick. I imagine that this is definitely still Ramondre's role. So I have not been drafting Ramondre because I knew something of this nature. We knew the pass were entertaining Dalvin Cook and Lenny Fournette and Zeke. This was bound to happen. I didn't love him when he was going late second, early third around – Derek Henry even, come on, give me the king. But if he starts to fall to mid-late third now, I still think Vermondre's role is relatively unchanged. He probably wasn't going to be the touchdown guy anyways. To me, this is just Zeke as a worse Damian Harris. I, I, I see this being Stevenson, what we had last year. And so if his price continues to drop, I will definitely gobble it up. But I did have him right now. I had him low, much lower than the ECR, around 33. So he's fallen a couple spots to 36 overall. So I hadn't gotten any of them. I wonder what will happen and shake out here afterwards. Uh -huh. I'd probably still won't have much Stevenson unless you get a significant discount here. All righty. Let us now move to the wide receiver position. Thank you guys for Keeping all had a lot of questions. I will make sure to get all of those. Are you going to update your rankings with the latest signings? So I did update Mike. Uh, I already updated the rankings. They're on rotorstreetjournal.com with Ramondre Stevenson and Zeke. I will uh, make sure to update Brees Hall. I had him lower anyways, given that I expected something to happen. But now that it's officially confirmed, we will have to uh, definitely adjust here. So I see Juan Pena in there. Awesome. Great to see you guys. Gonzo. A lot of legends here. Uh, coming into the chat. Cannot wait to answer any questions you have. Running back was by far the most loaded position. I'm going to breeze through these wide receivers. I got three tight ends I want to show you guys, and then it'll be on to all your questions. So if you don't mind waiting it out just a little bit longer with me, we'll get to all of those questions. But let's get into the wide receiver risers and fallers from the preseason so far. 
First on the list, DJ Moore. How could he not after his first catch with the Bears goes for a 62-yard touchdown, weaving through those blockers? I love how that screen game looked. I love that these two, A.J. Brown and Hurts, like connection. They're best friends in camp every single tweet, every single day. Highlight catch from DJ Moore deep down the field. Highlight in the red zone drills. Highlight after the catch. He has been a monster in camp. And it's just the little signs. Read the tea leaves. The guy's going to be a beast. DJ Moore is a phenomenal pick in round four, especially if you can stack him up with Justin Fields at that turn, round three, four turn. Love that type of move right there. The secret is out. Tank Dell is the best late round sleeper in fantasy football. He's my most rostered player, actually, in best ball drafts. I won't say the amount of them I've done because it might ruin my marriage before it even starts, but let's just say it's a lot. I have him in over 50% of my early drafts, and I am so pumped. We saw exactly why this is a guy I'm targeting, and thankfully, I had him before everyone else woke up. Let's talk about him real quick. Eight targets, five catches, 65 yards. We had that incredible concentration grab for a touchdown. Great speed on a 24-yard reception earlier. All camp. Coach is raving about his work ethic, the type of guy you love to coach. He's absurdly open all over the field. And then after the game, D'Amico Ryan said, Coach, good to see Tank make some plays. We've seen him make a lot of plays, all those same plays in camp. So it's good to see him do the same thing in a game. He's going to be an explosive playmaker for us. And remember, C.J. Stroud banged the table after working out with him at the combound tank belt. He said, I need this guy. I want this guy. The team listened. They traded up and they went and got Tank Dell. And all camp, he's been the go-to guy. Him and Nico Collins balanced, you know, apparently battling for that wide receiver one spot. He didn't play Nico Collins, so who knows exactly what it will look like when everybody's on the field. Robert Woods also sat, but Dell made some significant plays. He was wide open. I'm a Pats fan. I was watching. He was open all night. He should have had more yards and more touchdowns, uh, given that way he was carving up our defense. So, I love the fact that I'm over 50% rostered right now on this guy. He's already seen his price jump two plus rounds on best ball draft. So maybe my ownership will cool down just a little bit, but man, I'm glad I was buying while he was free. The best last round pick you can make right now, tank Dell and a keeper guy that I'd be very, very intrigued to see how he continues to grow with his quarterback. Jahan Dotson. I absolutely love this kid two for 30 with a touchdown on only one drive with Sam Howell. All camp, the reports were Howell and Dotson developed a strong chemistry together. The two connected several times at the start of practice with one of the more impressive reps being a throw and catch where Dotson found a soft spot and knife through three defenders. That's exactly what we saw. Found a soft spot in the zone, made a nice over-the-shoulder catch, and a knife through after the catch to find his way into the end zone, breaking some tackles. Also, he played all the two wide receiver sets in that first preseason action, Curtis Samuel only coming in for 11 personnel. That was the reverse last year where Dotson would only come in on three receiver sets. So in every down roll for an ascending player, plus he has that it factor. Anonymous, this is one of my favorite stories that I think I've ever read. Anonymous Browns player on Dotson. He walked in our locker room, walks right by me. And I'm like, what the hell is this guy coming in our locker room for? He walks by me, taps Martin Emerson on the leg, the guy he's going to be matched up with, and says, Lace him up. It's going to be a long fucking game. And he goes and toasts the guy for a touchdown. You love to see that type of moxie from your players, certainly when they back it up like he did in that early preseason action. He's got that factor. I think he could even beat out Terry McLaurin and be the wide receiver one here, getting him in round seven. Steal. Love me some Jahan Dotson. I also really like Romeo Dubs. I talked about Tank Dell, my number one rostered player so far. Right behind him is Romeo Dubs. Been 
sniping him in round 11, 12 throughout these preseason drafts. He's climbing up two catches, 21 yards and a touchdown lit up the preseason last year, lighting up even further this year. And now he doesn't have to compete with Alan Lazard. He's the clear cut him and Christian Watson, the two wide receivers in every two receiver sets, Jaden Reed locking down that third role. He's also a nice riser here as a rookie. They're not making him earn it. I mean, he earned it because he's just so damn good, so much better than what they have. But Romeo dubs the highlight here. Beat suggesting he might actually be the number one most targeted guy right now in camp by Jordan Love. And yeah, I'd take Christian Watson first. I would. But you look at him going around four, Romeo Dubs going around 11, and the fact that they might be significantly closer in terms of their overall production, that's why I have a significantly more amount of Romeo Dubs with that discount here. They're getting praise from the coach and from beat writers, the violence in his routes. Coach saying it reminds him of a former Packer great in Devontae Adams. You love to see that. So one of my top-owned guys, feeling pretty good about that now. Ultimately, also wanted to talk about Cortland Sutton. Praised all camp, being slimmed down, getting all the, the most targets in that Michael Thomas X roll throughout camp. First preseason game, he looks the part, moving significantly better than we've seen in recent years and draws five targets through that first quarter and a half or so of action, catches three of them for 35 yards. So yes, Judy shook three for the free for that touchdown and he looks solid too, but Judy's going in round four. Sutton's going in round nine and, and just like the Packers we were just talking about, I imagine the production will be much more met in the middle than these price tags reflect. In fact, Sutton, again, targeted more often in camp so far. I'm a big fan. Sean Payton saying he looks healthy, strong. I expect in 2019, Corlin Sutton, he had 1,200 yards and six touchdowns that year after dropping 10 pounds from his playing weight, but just being stronger and physical. you love to see all of those things for Cortland Sutton. I now want to talk quickly about, just type in a note here. So on the quarterback risers, we mentioned that Kenny Pickett was a definite riser and all ships often will rise when it's strong quarterback play certainly at the wide receiver position first guy Deontay Johnson only seven passes three of them went to Deontay Johnson he caught caught all three of them 32 yards very solid target per route uh rate right there the big thing though was all last year they could never get on the same page Kenny Pickett Deontay Johnson so much of Johnson's games relying on hitting him right out of that break as he destroys the, the defender's ankles he's right there that just wasn't there. The trust, the chemistry, obviously in one drive, three catches, 32 yards. I think it's absolutely going to be there. And he is so overdue for some massive touchdown regression. We could see Johnson return to that guy. He was just two seasons ago where he was a top 10 receiver in fantasy. Definitely buying the bounce back now that I saw him and Kenny Pickett connect much more. But we don't want to forget George Pickens, the absolute monster, the flashy guy here. Has a 33-yard touchdown catch. Every single day you're seeing the new hype video out of camp, mossing people, breaking tackles, and then he goes out, makes multiple defenders miss after the catch on the starter's only drive. You just got to love the fact that everyone's clamoring for a breakout of Kenny Pickett, George, or George Pickens rather, that him and Pickett have a great otherworldly connection. He looks phenomenal there. I got to call Eli Moore. Despite leaving the game with a rib injury, despite being called day-to-day, to me he was definitely a riser so far. All accounts saying star of training camp. Nobody was targeted more than Elijah Moore, not even Amari Cooper. He's been moving all over the place, garnering the most targets, making the most plays out of everybody. And then you see it. First drive of the preseason, first play, he's in the backfield. Motions out, catches a six-yard out. Next play, he goes into the backfield, takes a handoff, and rips it for 18 yards. 
So this versatile row, playmaker getting the ball finally, which for whatever reason was not getting it with the Jets. You love to see all that. And Watson, according to every report and, and just a brief glimpse of play action, uh, preseason play, we saw he looked really, really good. And that never looked like the case last year during the preseason, during practices, during his in-game action. I was very worried about Watson, but he certainly looks like he has his mojo back. So Elijah Moore, up to my wide receiver, 39. And if you need a wide receiver in that round eight range, he is the guy I'm looking to first, just ahead of Sky Moore. I do have to mention... The Giants passing game has apparently lit it up so far in camp. Daniel Jones looks, quote, like a completely different quarterback this year. So much more comfortable and in control, playing so much faster. And these new weapons have the offense opening up. It is cool to see, according to Connor Hughes. And then you look at, okay, so Daniel Jones takes the next step. Who goes up with him? I really do, by the way. Daniel Jones is the most rostered quarterback I have. 41% of my teams, I'm a nutcase. I love the guy. I think it really could be a Josh Allen light type of jump when you add in a weapon like Darren Waller and then Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, all these new speedy wide receivers around him. And that second year in the day ball scheme, we saw Josh Allen go from 20 touchdowns to 34 touchdowns. Could see Daniel Jones going from 18 to 30. And man, he's already the quarterback eight last year, just on the rushing alone. You mix in some passing. Mm, I could talk about Daniel Jones all night. This is not about him. It's about his pass catchers. Darius Slayton, the biggest one to note. Now, Darren Waller, 22 targets, led training camp with there. He is changing the offense. There were practices that they reportedly had to take him out because they just wanted to see Darren, Daniel Jones target someone else. you love to see it. So Darren Waller, love the guy. Late sixth, early seventh round, he's my tight end of choice. I have him higher than Dallas Goddard. I think he is absolutely going to blow up in this offense and open it up in ways that they could never do last year. But Darius Slayton, Often going as the last wide receiver behind Hodgins, behind Paris Campbell, behind Jalen Hyatt. And he has been far and away, according to beat writers, the number one wide receiver behind Darren Waller, but otherwise the next guy up 18 targets compared to 22 for Darren Waller throughout camp. And the quote directly, I don't know how you can make an argument for any receiver, but Darius Slayton leading the room in receiving most catches downfield against the Dory Jackson and everyone else multiple touchdown catches versus the Lions and joint practices. Their chemistry is out of control right now, according to the Beats. You love to see that. You also love Paris Campbell, though. Slot weapon. Richie James was a top 15 guy when he took over as a starter in that slot. It's a great, valuable dink and dunk role for a high possession type of quarterback with Daniel Jones. So I think Paris Campbell, great moving in the backfield a lot. Love to see it. All great stuff, great value, uh, and you love to see it. Now, third on the, the list behind – and Paris Campbell and Darius Slayton, Darren Waller all got rested in preseason week one. Isaiah Hodgins didn't. So I love Hodgins. I love what he did. He led the team in receiving touchdowns despite only being there for five weeks. I mean, the guy has great red zone chemistry. I still think he's valuable. But he did play in the preseason week one, and those other guys rested. Just tells you a little bit about the pecking order that we have here. I do want to note, too, Saquon Barkley's fourth – on the targets for that team. I did see my guy, Mark Gonzo, in here asking about Saquon Barkley. What's good with all this hate? How is he not the third back off the board? So I have him at running back five, and I still have him as a first-rounder in my top 12, but I do have Nick Chubb and Tony Pollard ahead of Saquon Barkley. If you want to go Saquon, I think they're the same tier. You can justify Saquon. I think the Giants take another step. That only helps his touchdown options, even if his overall touches go down a little bit. The efficiency goes up in a better offense. I'm with you. I love Saquon. I have nothing against him. If you want to put him as your running back three, that's fine. But I do have Pollard and Chubb just a little bit higher. Just personal preference, personal taste. 
I think the, the Giants are going to become a bit more of a pass-happier team this year, but I could be dead wrong. So, Gonzo, let me know what you think if I'm nuts to have him behind Tony Pollard and Nick Chubb. Just I uh, figured that would be worth mentioning while we're talking about the Giants. Moving on to the last couple receivers I want to talk about. We got Sky Moore with Kadarius Tony, probably the biggest faller at wide receiver this preseason, given he hurt his knee out the entire training camp and rest of preseason. Expected to be back week one, but that is valuable time to be building that chemistry, to be learning this offense. So we do have Kadarius Tony as a major faller, but in his fall, Sky Moore has risen. He's the most targeted wide receiver in camp so far. He's taking all the reps with the ones even into wide receiver sets. Not just a slot guy playing alongside Justin Watson and MBS alternating in two wide receiver sets. Sky Moore, the one that is locked in, fully praised by Andy Reid, by his teammates, how much he has improved his routes, quickness, his hands, his consistency. Every single rep is going his way. I love it. Sky Moore is a great eighth-round target, mopping up the catches there from Pat Mahomes. Calvin Ridley, hyped all offseason as not just the best receiver in camp, the best player in camp, all on the field, pops more than anybody else, according to the beat writers there. Ask anyone, quote, who watched Calvin Ridley the first week of camp and they can attest the fact the receiver looks like a special talent. Everything and everything said about his route running, explosiveness, overall ability has all been true. He deserves praise from Doug Peterson, everything that he's earned. He goes and steps out there first preseason game, two catches, 21 yards, one drive, see you later. He's out. Love it. Looked completely smooth like he never missed a beat. Looking very good. He goes early round three now. I don't hate it. I've always been a Calvin Ridley guy. I know he hasn't played in two years, but I'll tell you this, eyeball test-wise, it looks like he has not missed a single step, so I'm a big fan of him. But I also have drafted even more often Odell Beckham Jr. He goes around 10-11 right now, and I think he's going to be the best receiver for the Ravens. All beat writers agree with me. So far, he's been the most consistent receiver by performance, by usage. Him and Lamar Jackson have apparently developed an amazing downfield report. Zay Flowers has looked great. He's a special weapon after the catch. They really like him. Rashad Bateman kind of being a little bitching camp, and the coaching staff seems to be putting him back in his place, giving Odell Beckham all the reps ahead of him right now, and tweets every day. Boom, 40-yard bomb on 7-7. Seven to seven. The star was Odell Beckham. Probably has Lamar Jackson's longest catch at camp, the most efficient receiver in camp. He is special. John Harbaugh and Odell Beckham, pretty much full steam ahead. Last couple days, he's been most of his work, and he's probably had all of his best days. He's looking great. We're happy to have him here. Lots of videos of deep balls going his way. It looks like Odell's ready to go. Last time out, he was a beast for the Rams. Caught a touchdown in all but two games of those last seven. I think he's in a great spot to lead this Todd Munkin new aerial charge. Mike Williams. Didn't see him play in the preseason, but the big slot role coming his way. Now, he's only in his career played 11.2% of his snaps in the slot. But when he's been in there, he's produced 16 catches, 261 yards, and a touchdown averaging a whopping 12 average depth of target. So he gets in there, mismatched. They send him streaking down the field, and he performs big. It sounds like they're moving him a lot more into the slot, into Kellen Moore to exploit those matchups kind of that positionless football, get Keenan Allen outside a little bit more. That is great news for Big Mike. He's been pretty inconsistent, but you add that type of element to his game, and he could really steady out those big blowups with some nice high floor days too. Love to see it for him. Just want to mention Brandon Ayuk. Anytime he gets praised, I love it because I love Brandon Ayuk. He's the routine mention as the MVP of camp. 
He was called the team's breakout player despite leading the team and receiving yards last year because he's been on that next level. People calling him the next top five receiver in the game. I think he has that talent. Even Kyle Yushek, very reasonable guy, says, that's Brandon Hayuk. Wow, he's moving different now. It's crazy how much more efficient and explosive you look now. He's confident where he's been, confident where he's going. The game is slowing down for him. He looks different than everyone else on the field. You got to love that quote here. Even Debo Samuel, you can't cover that boy in a phone booth, says Debo Samuel. There's a good argument that he is the most consistent, best player on the field throughout camp. You love to see it for Brandon Ayuk. I will hype him up every day, all day. A couple of quick hits. Alec Pierce lighting up the Colts camp, having the best rapport so far with uh, the deep-armed Anthony Richardson. I'm a big fan of Alec Pierce, so I'm definitely going to continue to draft him at his pretty much free price tag. Another deep threat I really like, DJ Chark. They need a number one there for the Panthers. And so far, DJ Chark has earned the trust quote from Frank Wright of Bryce. He's been the guy that is always there for him, and he sees him one-on-one. Bryce is going to take that chance. DJ Chark has earned that right from Bryce. You'll love to see that. He leads the team in preseason targets so far. And just a couple of years removed from a 73,000-yard, eight-touchdown season was the wide receiver 16 in 2019. It's not like DJ Chark hasn't done it before. So I am a big fan of him as well. And T.Y. Hilton, he was used very well under – he was old and decrepit and still was the wide receiver 14 and wide receiver 26 under Frank Reich, who does like to rope it and rope it deep. JSN, shredding camp, looking every bit like the best receiver in this camp. Three catches, 25 yards, and just about a quarter of action. Nobody could run near the guy. He was wide open. He's going to be an absolute problem. He outproduced Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, the two most exciting rookies we've seen in a long time. JSN was better than them when they were on the field together. So just a guy that you got to love, even in a crowded situation with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. He's rising up the board. McCole Hardman reportedly has locked down that starting slot role. Getting a lot of praise from Aaron Rodgers. You like to see that. Gabe Davis, fully healthy, star of camp. Says, you know, ankle injury really slowed him down. He feels back to his true self. Either way, you're getting him four rounds later than you had to last year. You're buying him. He had 890 yards and seven touchdowns last year. You do that in round seven, eight, that's a pretty good pick. (laughs) What if he just blows it out of the water like he did in the playoffs when he said he finally felt healthy and just goes bananas? You're buying him at his floor instead of his ceiling where you had to buy him last year. I think Gabe Davis is a great buy. I know a lot of you probably turning the podcast off. Now, I appreciate it if you don't. And Michael Wilson, the last receiver I wanted to talk about, uh, developing a really good rapport. He's you know, five inches taller than all the other receivers around him. I think he could absolutely be a starter in two wide receiver sets. For injuries, we mentioned already Kadarius Tony and how he's not going to be at camp at all. Definitely hurts his stock while send Sky Moore and the other receivers. Richie James looking really good in his absence. Those guys all rise until we can really get Kadarius Tony consistently on the field. He's tough to trust, but going around pick 100 now, I mean, remember all the talk, Reed, Mahomes, Nagy saying this is our true number one. He can stretch the field. He can do it after the catch. There's still upside here. So if he's going after pick 100 now, I just can't get, quit you, Kadarius Tony. Quentin Johnson, I'm not freaking out. It's not an injury. Three drops, though, in the first preseason game. I, I remember two years ago, Jamar Chase was having drop issues. So here, I, I'm not sitting here like, no more Quentin Johnson. Can't trust the guy ever. Just worth noting that he did drop three passes. Wasn't lighting up second and third stringers like you probably want a first-round receiver to do. He has three catches, 10 yards, and a touchdown, but he's supposed to make his bread and butter on those deep balls. He's just fumbling them, butterfingers. Oh, we'll see. Love the offense. I think it'll be very explosive. I think he'll definitely continue to come along. I still 
believe in him fully in Dynasty. But just that note, we're going to nitpick our preseason games here. Tim Patrick did tear his Achilles. Prayers up to the guy. Two years back-to-back in training camp. Season-ending injury for him. Oh, just absolutely gut-wrenching and, and horrible. Tyquan Thornton fading into the New England mist, even though there's nobody for him to have to beat. He can't beat out Demario Douglas, a six-round pick from Liberty. See you later. Another wasted pick at wide receiver by Bill Belichick. I don't get it. Why do they let this guy draft receivers? Ugh. Devontae Adams, a couple big injuries, uh, big names, but the injuries themselves are not very serious. Devontae Adams, leg injury, said he's fine. Nothing crazy serious. Expected to be back well ahead of the season. Jalen Waddell also listed as fine, but not had a timetable directly yet. So something to note. And then Cooper Cup had a handy injury, but he was labeled day-to-day. It's just a podcast where we're now mentioning every noteworthy nugget. Those were three injuries that happened in camp. I don't expect any of them to ruin anybody's season week one availability. All righty. couple last tight ends that I'm going to do. <laughs> and then we'll get to all of those questions. I said, like I mentioned, I got three quick notes on tight ends. The first, I'm lumping up a bunch of rookie tight ends together. Historically, Year one has been brutal for tight ends. Rookies rarely pan out at the position, but this could be the year that trend gets bucked. We got three guys I want to talk about. First being Luke Musgrave. Was off my radar completely, except in dynasty leagues, and now he is firmly on it. Every single camp report. Quote, if the first week and a half of camp is any indication, Musgrave's going to be a problem for defenses. For the first time since maybe Jermichael Finley, the Packers have a tight end who can make plays deep downfield in the passing game consistently. Musgrave is big, fast, and able to haul in those 50-50 balls. It's clear why the Packers took him in the second round this year. He might be, next beat writer, the steal of the draft. Would have been a first rounder in any other tight end class. Special weapon starting right away will play a big role Everybody's saying he's locked in that that number one role. He plays every single snap with the starters. sees three targets, only balls in one for eight yards, but you saw the targets, 20 yards downfield for one of them, 15 for the next, and the, the pass just got barely sailed over his head. you love to see it for Luke Musgraves, though, a big play tight end that's kind of being used as a big slot right now. Nobody's making him earn the role. Could see him going immediately as an impact player. Right behind him, though, as a rookie, Dalton Kincaid. Now, didn't make any catches in that first game, but played every single snap with the starters even more than Dawson Knox. Maybe that's the veteran getting the rest, but worth noting, Kincaid played all six of the starter snaps in there. All camp, been labeled a mismatch problem, unreal chemistry with Josh Allen, moving as a big slot weapon. A lot, that's the kind of the trend here. Also with Sam Laporta, the rookie tight end for the Lions. Big slot guy, expected to be second on the team in targets while Jamison Williams is out those first six weeks. Him and, and apparently Jameer Gibbs are competing for the number two role behind, of course, the stud Amon Ross St. Brown. But none of those three rookies, Laporta, Kincaid, Musgraves, being taken along slowly. They're all athletic freaks. They're all in offenses that are better half of the league, especially Kincaid. My favorite, of course, being in the Bills. Huge touchdown upside. But all three of those guys, I think, are going to buck that don't trust rookie tight end trade. Uh, that we've we've come to know. Uh, last tight end I want to mention is Jake Ferguson. Luke Schoonmaker, the other rookie tight end that a lot of people were excited about, has not played at all in camp so far, yet to log a full practice, their second-round pick. And in his absence, Jake Ferguson has become a go-to safety blanket for Dak Prescott and the quarterbacks. He plays almost all of the snaps for the starters in his first preseason action, catches three balls for 38 second on the team in receiving there. It's a heavily targeted position by Dak historically. 
Big fan of Jake Ferguson. Worked out with George Kittle, Travis Colsey at tight end university this year. Could see Jake Ferguson being that last round kind of breakout tight end like that Dalton Schultz was just a couple seasons ago. There's one faller at tight end. I do want to mention Greg Dolchik's. It's been a roller coaster for him this offseason. But first, Sean Payton dismisses the guy, says, I haven't even watched any of them. I have no idea what he did last year. He's someone that's going to have to come in and earn a role. And then he says, this guy, Greg Dolch, is pretty impressive. Can be our joker, kind of like our, you know, Jimmy Graham, our Alvin Kamara. That's an impressive athletic skill set. And maybe that role still on the table. Might be. But I do know that Adam Troutman started at tight end. He was listed as the number one tight end on the depth chart. He saw two catches for 18 yards with the starter. Greg Dolchis wasn't targeted with the starters. He came in on a couple third downs. They were still two tight end sets, though. So at best, we're getting, what, a committee tight end? At worst, we're getting a, a backup. He's going top 12 right now. And I like it. I love Dolchik's last year. Like I, I think he's an athlete, athletic guy that could spread the seam under Sean Payton. But right now, I, I do not like this usage. And I will not take him above a Dalton Schultz, who's going to get you know 110 targets at least from the Texans. I won't take him above even Tyler Higby at this point, who might be the number two pass catcher for the Rams over there. So Dolchik's, if he's not able to beat out Adam freaking Troutman, I don't want him on my fantasy team. All righty, Wolfpack. Whew, that was over 60 names in just over an hour. Oh, I want to get it in under an hour, but hey, we made it. Uh, so let's get to your mailbag, Wolfpack. I am going to take a quick swig of water. <laughs> and then we will get to all of your questions, guys. Uh, no, I'm good. All right. Charlie, welcome back. Thank you, sir. Good to be back. Oh, mom, I'm catching up on this water. If you don't mind a quick like, thumbs up button if you enjoyed this. You're still here with us. Then I'm hoping you liked what you hear. Maybe you just want to shit on me. Who knows? But I hope you like it. That thumbs up button would mean the world. Thank you, Charlie. I'm so excited to be back and see you guys. It was a trip of a lifetime, though. Yeah, Bruce Hall. I don't know about seventh or eighth round now. Like, they're going to take him along slowly. It's going to be split in the back. I mean, yeah, it's a tough one. So my rapid reaction, he's going rounds three or four. I don't think I could let a talent like Brees, though. I mean, he was a top 24 running back every game out. Really started to get his usage picked up. Was a number top 12 running back for two of his last three games. And it was on pace to be another top 12 running back before he got hurt. He's such a special talent, a great receiver. But uh, Dalvin Cook is is not – he didn't look great last year, but up to 8.6 mils, so uh, Omar says. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to be usage there. Yeah, I, I'm going to look at let, – let me just pull up my running back rankings right now. I, I have them open, and I'll tell you exactly where Brees falls to. I think this definitely – Brees is more hurt than Ramondre is. Um, Dalvin's a better player. Brees has the injury to worry about. All right, so I had Brees at running back 15 behind ETN, Stevenson, Jacobs. I I wouldn't take him above Pierce, Sanders, Matt. Like these guys are clear bets for featured back work, Madison – Aaron Jones, Acres, like now we're starting to get in the range where it's like I, I might bet on Brees' talent. Uh, Javante Williams might be more of the featured back. James Cook. Do, do I want James Cook over Brees Hall? Dobbins? What? I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm with you guys. Like I, I love the player, but uh, I, I like the player enough that I think he's going to start over Dalvin Cook if and when he's fully ready to go. 
So I'm going to slide him in just ahead of Aaron Jones, just behind Madison, running back 18. I, and I might revisit this. I, this is just the rapid reaction, but he is so talented. Like I, I just feel sick in my stomach. And that will drop him to around like five, six range. But I'm not going to go all the way down, Angel, as you said, uh, seven to eight. Like I'm not, I'm not declaring him completely dead yet. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me know what you guys think. This is definitely one to have in the comments, and let's let's talk and weigh this out together. But I, I look at it more as like a round five, six guy. Because um, Dalvin did look like crap last year compared to what we're used to with him. And what if he gets a suspension for all the offseason stuff? Yeah, yeah, I, that's a tough one. Uh, Brees, yeah, so that, that some of you guys catching me up there. Uh, so definitely a healthy enough contract. Oh, and thank you again, uh, Mike Hotel Cali K. I'm, I'm glad that the videos have helped. I'm glad to be back and, and talking with you. I'm glad you could catch us live, Mike K. Uh, Herbert, I love Herbert this year, Mike. I have him. If you haven't seen it yet, go back and watch the projections that popped. He's the second guy I talked about. I haven't broken the passing record this year. Now, maybe I'm a little too high, but I think Kellen Moore, all the talk is Brandon Staley, staying out of his way, letting him call the offense he wants. And we saw that with Dak for two years in a row. Dak was lighting up the scoreboard, was averaging 30 fantasy points a game. I mean, it was nuts. And Herbert is definitely better than Dak. So, yep, I, I'm all with you. I, I want all of the Herbert in round six. Um, Wolfman, hope you had a good summer. I helped him. I got married. I went on a honeymoon of my dreams. It has been the best of summers. I unfortunately fell behind. I haven't been able to do a draft guide. Probably won't. I know a lot of people are asking about it. And I just, maybe I can squeeze something out between now and the end of the year. We're going to, we'll try, but uh, it, it's, it's been a dream outside of missing all the football stuff. I'd miss it for what we had 10 out of 10 times. It was the best, the best of my days, but uh, yeah, at Gainwell. So you agree with me there. Uh, definitely the best value there. And I I'm, I don't think Zeke is going to kill Ramondre. You weren't counting on a ton of touchdowns from him anyways. You just got to make sure he keeps that receiving role. If Montgomery might be the bigger threat, honestly, if he ends up coming back and stealing that. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I update the rankings pretty much every day, Mike. Um, so, yes, they, they already were updated for Ramondre. And as I was mentioning, running back 1820 maybe for Brees Hall. Let me know what you guys think. I'm having a tough one with this. Uh, hey, hey, what's up, Juan? Back in Framingham, Mass, baby. Love to, love to hear you. Love to see you. Um, I mean, I think he's a good touchdown guy. He's a good locker room guy, Zeke. I certainly don't want anything to do with him in fantasy. I think it hurts Ramondre a little bit, but I'm not going to overreact. I just wasn't that into Ramondre anyways. So maybe if he drops too much, I'll, I'll go all in for it. But yeah, I, I think it's a fine signing. It's a good veteran presence. I wanted DeAndre Hopkins though, Juan. That's what we really needed. Oh man, I need that water. All righty, Mark Conzo. What's good with all the Saquon hate? Oh yeah, we talked about that already. I'm with, I mean, I have him at running back five. You have him at running back three. They're in the same tier. To me, it's CMC. It's Eckler. You couldn't debate with me there. Those are my top two. And then if you wanted to talk about Saquon versus Tony Pollard or Chubb and you got to intermix those three, I'll listen to you. Absolutely. I, I think he is well worth a first round pick. Um, I think the offense will be that much better, more space for the guy. So three straight running backs in the early rounds, been successful. Yeah, Chubb Eckler. I mean, if it works for you, Juan, it works. I, you know me, always been the bell cow guy. You got the right three last year. It worked out great for you. I'm starting to lean 
one running back, one receiver, and then let's see what falls in round three. Oftentimes it's a receiver. I, I have kind of wavered a little bit on my every down running back because it worked for you. You got the right three guys. You could have done that and gotten, uh, let's toss out what I often had last year, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and James Conner, who's pretty good, but those first two. Whereas you know what you're getting in Jefferson and Chase, and if Cooper Cup stays healthy, you know what you're getting there, Tyree Kill. I mean, even Amon Ross St. Brown and, and Garrett Wilson as breakout next receivers, that could be monstrous. Of course, Stephon Diggs, like, I want one of those alphas, one of those hogs, and then give me a couple horses after that, sure. Love Najee Harris, round three, Travis Etienne. But I'm also loving Juan, like, round seven, James Cook. Round nine, Antonio Gibson. You know, uh, James Conner right now goes round seven or eight. Like, David Montgomery might score 15 touchdowns with the Lions, and he goes Jamar Gibbs round four. Like, I don't necessarily do three straight running backs anymore just because I want an alpha hog. And I, I actually have some drafts where I've gone receiver, 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 and I love it. So, uh, man, I've always been the bell cow guy with you, Juan, but I might be switching up. It all, it all, I don't go in with any locked mindset. I think it's the big thing. You go in, you take the best players available. Um, it, you're flexible with the strategy. Long honeymoon. <laughs> who knows, Tunes? Who knows? Not, not that we know of. Uh, go Bears. Uh, I, I will say this, Mike. I went to Soldier Field once for a Pats game, and it was the one where uh, Trubisky threw the Hail Mary and we tackled, I don't know, it was Allen Robinson, somebody on the one-yard line just barely uh, missed tying it up and maybe even winning the game had they hit it. It was such a fun atmosphere. The Soldier Field was great. Chicago's an awesome city. Uh, so I don't mind the Bears at all, and I love Justin Field. So uh, I'm excited to see what they do this year. No, I think they have the worst receiver room, the Bats in the NFL. If they had Hopkins, I would feel much better. But Thornton sucks. I think Parker's like a solid two, three. and <laughs> He's our number one. It's going to be a big year out of the tight ends, if anybody. Uh, Hunter Henry and, and Mike Gusecki. But I do not think, no, we have a good receiver room at all. I'm very, very worried about our receiver room. Maybe this Douglas kid's as good as they say. I don't know. Where, I'm excited to see him. But, uh, but no, how could you say a, a receiver room of – Who's our top guys? Parker, maybe Thornton, but probably not. Kendrick Bourne hasn't done anything in a couple of years. Demario Douglas, Myers is gone. Like, do you feel good about our receiver room, Vaughn? I feel horrible about it. I don't mean to dump on our bats, but I don't know. I don't know how you could feel good. I took him in our dynasty league, and you trashed me for drafting a short guy. Glad you like him. Um, is that Demario Douglas? Oh no, it's Tank Dell. I didn't. I I didn't trash you for draft. I mean, I might have just to like piss you off, tunes with Tank Dell. But uh, the, the proof's in the pudding. Like I said, I have him 51% of my best ball teams. Uh, I had him at wide receiver five ahead of Marvin Mims in the pre-draft rankings. I, I almost regret not going him now. Uh, although I traded Mims for a decent haul with Dane. So <laughs> under the weight radar receiver that people will pass on, but you consider a must-have. So, Daniel, great question. Uh, we already talked about Tank Dell, and I think people have started to wake up to him. That was my guy. Um, I think it's Darian Slayton. Like everybody else wants Jalen Hyatt, who I like, I, the new speedy guy, really big fan of that. Um, I think by the end of the year, Jalen Hyatt could carve out the most meaningful role, but Darius Slayton is the number one receiver other than Darren Waller at tight end. And nobody's drafted him. So I think him, I think his offense takes off and I think he's a big part of it. So I think Darius Slayton's one that I really like late. But if we're going to toss out like even like grosser 
just wicked deep sleeper. I love Craig Dorch. I always have. And apparently he's been ahead of Rondale Moore in two receiver sets. Um, so, so I like me him, him and, and Mike Wilson, someone coming out of those Cardinals there. But, uh, but Darius Slayton is the one I really like the most. I, I, I'll do a whole show on sleeper receivers though. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, Tunes. Redraft, uh, Gabe Davis is such a pain in the ass, kind of like Mike Williams there where you put him in and he gets you zero, you take him out, he gets 30 on your bench. So best ball, you're going to get those points, and, and I love him there. I think my mind is a little skewed because I've only done best ball drafts up to this point um, of the offseason. Like most people won't draft till <laughs> the late August like me. Uh, so I've only been just hammering a lot of disgusting best ball drafts. So I trust Gabe Davis where he goes there, but I, I'm with you. It's a tougher thing in redraft. Uh, Kava, Kavakas 49ers. I don't know that I am doing an NFC South one. I did seven out of eight divisions and I had to leave for the, the wedding and honeymoon. And I just, I don't know. I lost steam. And that was the division that just didn't matter to me. Now that we're in training camp and we have a little bit of a clearer picture, maybe because there was a lot of questions. I just, I, I didn't feel like trying to guess that in a gross a lot of gross divisions, but if somebody's looking for, I mean, Hey, I'd be happy to, to appease the fans. I just, they weren't getting a ton of views. So I was like, yeah, people must not like these projections that much, but people are looking for them. Then maybe I can get there uh, for you. If there's some, I've done the projections. I just didn't do a show about them. Kavaka. So if there's a a player you're wondering about, or um, you want to see the projections, just let me know. Um, Omar F don't have a question. Just want to say congrats on the what? Hey, thank you, Omar. Uh, it was truly the time of our life. And yeah, so we got home the like three days before the expo and I was like, Oh man, I know I've talked to Omar about getting down there and finally meeting him. But, uh, I'm thinking next summer will be a little bit lighter on the travel. So hopefully indeed, I'd love to get there, meet you, meet a bunch of the fantasy guys. Um, it sounds like every year it's just such a, such a fun event. So, so maybe next year, thank you so much for your kind words though. It was truly, uh, it's hard to leave when you're, you're living it up like that. Um, it, it was the absolute best top of tier five. Uh, yeah, that's, so that's kind of, yeah. With James cook. So you were right there, Mike. I think we're in the very much aligned, uh, with what we're thinking. My draft. So super flex is definitely different. Um, and 14 teams. So it gets really thin. So I actually don't play a ton of super flex other than dynasty leagues myself, Mike, but I did a show last year, um, that largely there's a lot of strategy involved with Graham Barfield. So obviously the rankings will be a little bit different. We talk about the targets we had last year versus this year, but he gets into a lot of great strategy for Superflex, And you really just got to treat it like supply demand. When you start one quarterback and even in a 14 team, that's one roster spot. And maybe people draft a couple backups. So let's say 22 quarterbacks get drafted, maybe, maybe 26 but you're only starting 14 of them. So you don't need an insane quarterback. Now, when you're starting to, it's such a big edge to have that really good second quarterback. So honestly, in a 14 team or two, like I, I think you have to absolutely get at least one of your first two as a quarterback from there. If you get a Jefferson first and then you come back with Kirk cousins, the next round, and then, you know, Sam Howell, the next, uh, now we're getting gross, but like, especially if you can get one of those top like seven guys that I really, really like the big three Mahomes, um, it hurts. And uh, who the hell am I blanking on? Uh, Josh Allen, of course. <laughs> and then of course you got the, the, the fields and Lamar Jackson's the mobile guys. And then Herbert and burrow, uh, Trevor Lawrence right there after them, it starts to get a little bit like, okay, maybe I don't take one in the first round, 
if I take Daniel Jones in the second. Um, but yeah, you're, one of your first two has to be a QB, um, preferably two of your first four, I would say. It all depends on your league too, how it goes. But but it is definitely a big difference uh, with the supply and demand. Um, do you think Stevenson takes a huge hit? Not a huge hit, Matt, as talked about. I think the receiving role remains intact. That's why he's most valuable. But touchdown ceiling is is very, very capped. You know, Ramondre could have had a top three ceiling had there been no Zeke. And now he's probably floor and ceiling are just kind of the same spot, which is running back 10 to 15-ish. Yeah, so definitely go QB. Uh, I agree with Tunes for the most part. Um, I like Gusecki Howland. I I think it's going to be a little inconsistent. So best ball-wise, I think there's some big plays coming. Um, but it sounds like Hunter Henry, according to all reports, is the clear tight end one, every down guy, the best rapport with Max. So I actually prefer Hunter Henry. Yeah, so so it depends uh, if you don't know the pick yet. So so it does. You got to be flexible, Mike. You can't lock yourself in, but uh, it does get thin very quick, especially in fourteen teams. So uh, I think you got to get a quarterback early. Absolutely, keeper PPR for Brad Chubb, Olave, St. Brown. If there's no penalty, like it's not like you get Olave in the eighth round versus Chubb in the first. If it's just you get one. I have Chubb the highest of these guys. I rank them Chubb and St. Brown and Olave. I love all three. If there's a penalty to keeping one and the, and the prices, you know, one of them's cheaper, I would honestly probably just go who's cheaper because they're all pretty similar to me. Um, but of those guys, a PPR league, though, does make it different. Like St. Brown is such a target hog. Uh, but Chubb now locking in probably a three-down roll, I think he's the guy. He could be the RB1, Brad. Uh, 14 teams, it does get thin. Yeah, tunes. I agree. Uh, draft slot out of 12. Do you feel like you've had the most success peaking? Uh, that's a good one, Omar. I I do like being at the top of the draft. I know it's like easier. Like, ah, I can get Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Early on, I was able to do like, it, it was the weirdest thing. Derek Henry was like a third round pick. So I have a lot of teams from the early, early drafts where I'd get Jefferson, Tony Pollard, and Derek Henry it's over from there. I mean, that's, that's a ridiculous team that doesn't happen anymore. Pollard's going, you know, almost first round at this point. Um, Derek Henry still falls, but it's like late round two instead of round three. Uh, so it has thinned out a little bit up there, but I do love like an elite receiver. And then one of the elite QBs, I had changed my tune. I used to always be wait, 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 supply demand. You got to wait on a quarterback. Now I, if I can get Josh Allen, Jalen hurts or, or um, Pat Mahomes, it's such a big edge. You're 20 to 30 points a week that you just rely on and you don't have to think about it. I trust my late drafting that I often will get a elite receiver, one of those guys, and then whatever running back is kind of lingering in round two, um, often Derrick Henry right now. But um, so I like the top of the drafts, like the top. I, I really like pick five because you can get like Cooper Cup or Tyree Kill or even Kelsey. And then you're you're almost guaranteed Henry on the next way. And then – you know, Calvin Ridley or one of those QBs fall to you in three, bam. Uh, so top five to me is my favorite with four or five. I, I don't see much of a difference between Jefferson and Cup, so I like five uh, quite a bit. Absolutely, Mike. Happy to help. I'm, I'm glad. The Great questions. I'm glad you stayed the whole show. That's awesome stuff. Uh, Kavakas, 49er. Drake London, Chris Godwin, Hayden, Juwan Johnson. Um, those are some projections you'd like to see. Great to know. Um, so I do have them all. We typically sell the projections with the guide 
I don't know what's going to happen there with the guide probably not happening. Maybe we can still get the projections just up because I did them and I'm going to keep updating them. Um, so yeah, I'd be happy to Kabakas. I, I will figure that out. If you DM me at uh, Roto Street Wolf, I can uh, send you the projections for all those guys. I don't have them right off the top of my head, and I haven't updated in a little while. Um, but send me send me a DM and say Kabakas from the stream. I'd be happy to help it out. Wolfpack, before you head out, hit that thumbs up button for us. Support your guy. It's so appreciated. Thank you guys so much for being here. If you have people you can share this with, like, share, uh, get us out to more people. We would mean the world so we can keep growing this uh, franchise over here. We have some very exciting developments. I can't wait to, to unlaunch and show all you guys. But thank you so much. Everything we do is at rotostreetjournal.com. My rankings, I update daily. You can find there tons of great articles getting churned out. You guys are awesome. This feels so good to be back. Uh, ripping up an hour and a half show, just seeing all the legends and new faces. Feels good to be back, baby. It's fantasy season. We'll be live tomorrow, Tuesday and Thursday this week, 7 p.m. We will see you then. The Wolf of Fantasy Sheep, guys, be that wolf. Now's our curtain call, so hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.